Welcome to By the Ghost Slate, where we take the national theater news and tell you why it matters to your local little podunk town in the middle of Kansas. And Cassie, I feel really bad. Why do you feel bad, Ryan? Because Andrew Lloyd Webber writes shows. Yeah, I feel bad about that too. So we just got a little uh, trailer that Cassie had to watch for something called Bad Cinderella. I don't want to do it. And it's bad. I don't I don't want any of it. It's in the title. Um, they said it's a real housewives inspired marketing campaign. I mean, okay, if you if you consider effective marketing being that you get people talking about what you're doing, then I guess they did it. They did. They did it. It's so bad. It's so but so bad. I have like negative levels of desire to see or interact with this show in any way see here's the thing if it comes out it'll get a certain amount of ticket sales just because it's weber and it's cinderella and it's the bad cinderella and the hype and everything give it a month and let the reviews come out and we'll see what happens but also like if i had a spare night in new york and 40 bucks i would rush that show just so that i could say that i saw the train wreck no Absolutely not. And this is the difference, dear listener, between me and Cassie. <laughs> Cassie has standards. Uh, I like watching the world burn. Hi, everyone. This is Ryan. <laughs> this is Cassie. Welcome to the show. And we are in the show. We are in deep in the show. Cassie, I um, I rushed here from a rehearsal. That's right, because you're deep in a show right now. I'm deep in a show. I'm deep in Newsies Jr. And tonight was uh, the first full run. Ooh, how did that go? Well, in true youth theater fashion, we didn't get through the whole thing before the parents were there. Yeah, that'll happen sometimes. Yep, that'll happen. We got 90% of the way through it. Okay, that's not too bad. So, yeah, it's not too bad. And it's newsy, so there's so many pieces and parts to this thing. Yeah. Like, like half of the reason for doing the full run the first time was so that I could go, oh, cool, what did I miss? Right. What is the thing that we didn't choreograph or block or whatever? Um, and that's fine, and it was all good, and uh, it was good for the students because they finally got to do the whole thing and see it all, you know, A to B to C to D, especially since I have, like, 20 kids in this show that have not done theater before, so they didn't really understand the process, so it's good for them to see the whole thing, and then tomorrow, because I'm a monster, tomorrow's off book day. Ooh, so once again, you will not get through the whole show. Likely not. No, we will get through what we get through, and it'll be okay. Off book day is always a little rough. This is going to be pretty rough. This one's going to yeah. be pretty rough. Yeah, and if you know that going into it, it helps the director demons at night. Yeah, it really does. I don't get the director demons until usually like two weeks before the show. Okay. So, And then I will probably have a dream or a nightmare every night until we open i get the director demons right around like the end of blocking when i start to freak out about how much time is left to put everything together sure but you know it always comes together the shows i've directed have always come together i i do hesitate to like fully rely on that because i have been part of shows that did not come together Um, in high school one of the things we have not really delved into on this podcast and we should someday because I have fun stories are my high school theater program and how absolutely awful it was Mm -hmm. 
but the the fall show my junior year was a show that we never should have done. It was a melodrama. Ooh, no. Right, first of all. Immediate no. It's high school. Immediate no. no. Um, so this is not the fall show. This is a spring show. It was in place of a musical because they decided they didn't want to do musicals anymore. So instead they did this play that had a concert scene in it. And they said that, well, here's how we'll make it a musical. During this concert scene, we will let everybody in the cast get up and sing a period appropriate song. And so for 20 minutes in the middle of this show that was already 120 pages long, by the way. Oh, no. We brought the plot to a screeching halt to put on a 20 minute concert with songs from the early 1900s. That sounds awful. It was. We had, we had no business doing the show. We didn't have enough rehearsal time. It was too long. And literally on stage, opening night, our stage manager was giving us every other line by the time we were halfway through Act 2. And it was a three-act show. It was painful. Oof. I'm That's pretty terrible. sure. I'm pretty sure that show topped out at three hours. Is that the worst night of your theater life? It's up there for sure for sure for For sure sure. it is it is one of my top three worst shows that i've ever worked on well uh that's the thing about these shows right so sometimes they're just way too long or the they're done by people who shouldn't do them right uh or sometimes you know the new york times drops out this terrible review and your show just gets to close immediately yeah k-pop is closing K-pop is closing. It uh, has barely opened. And it is closing Sunday. Like, it is closing fast. That is so quick. Like, we are... we are. Uh, it is Wednesday right now, for yeah. reference. This closes in four days. We're going to talk about, you know, my Broadway trip here in a minute, but I almost bought tickets for this thing last week. Mm-hmm. So now I guess I'm glad I'm, I didn't. I'd have to figure out something else. But uh, we are still going to get a cast recording. Yeah. Which is good. I'm sure that's going to be good, too, because, like, they can all sing. Yeah, and I I don't know a lot about it. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into whether a Broadway show opens or closes. But I feel like this one had a lot of things kind of working against it. Just when we remember that Broadway is a business, because this was an original musical so it's not a uh, it's not an intellectual property that people are familiar with and like that are therefore going to necessarily go see um and it had a few other things going on but it's it's a shame because this was this was doing a lot of really good things for representation and diversity sure was um and it's it's really disheartening to see it do so poorly because it was breaking those those barriers it's it's upsetting it is so they played 44 preview performances and they will only have 17 actual shows uh under their belts um they are having a uh they're calling it an asian uh asian american and pacific islanders community event and panel discussion to reflect and celebrate on aapi representation on broadway and beyond Um, they're giving out 200 complimentary tickets to the last show to aapi community members and youth um, to do all of that, and everybody's coming out of the woodworks. David Henry Huang, the first uh, Asian American playwright to win a Tony, is going to be there. Um, a bunch of other people will be there. Um, they're, I think they're doing a lot of good here to try to, to, to try to make it as much of a celebration as they can as it closes. 
Um, so we'll see about that. The cast recording is scheduled to be released in February. That's something I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, but as you said, uh, a lot of AAPI representation on Broadway, which is generally lacking. Um, yeah. And 18 cast members all made their Broadway debuts. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And not just because they it was the music man and there were 47 children. Right. Right. These are like legit Broadway debuts. Right. It's not a debut simply because you're very young. Right. That's not how that works. If you're on Broadway when you're six, it counts. Kind of. Kind of. Um, but yeah, so we do lose K-pop. Um, it's not unheard of. So for those uh, listening along that maybe aren't as into the theater or the Broadway world, Broadway is a business. We've talked about it at length. Uh, and at the end of the day, all of these shows on Broadway have to make money. If they're not making money, if they're not selling tickets, um, all uh, then they're going to close. So particularly when shows get bad reviews or bad buzz and the ticket sales are not there, uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to improve, then they close as quickly as possible because these shows are expensive to run. And if you're just losing money running the show, the show's going to close. And that's yeah. the business of Broadway. Um, so it's not unheard of by any stretch for sh- shows to close quickly like this. It's still a shame when it happens, especially when it's a show like this, which was so unique and new and different. It's just a shame. Yeah. It is. But hopefully this can can open some doors and kind of pave the way for some more diverse options to, to kind of fill the space. Yeah, speaking of more diversity, uh, Neil Diamond. I'm intrigued to see where you go with this. Neil Diamond sang on Broadway for the opening of uh, A Beautiful Noise, which is the... Um, the, the bio musical, what do we call it? The musical bio, the bio musical, is that what we call it? I don't know. I don't know. Do we have a good word for it? I don't know. We would call it a biopic if it was a film. Bio-cal. Bio-cal. No, I hate portmanteaus. We're not going to do that. Musa-bio? No, that's bad. No, I'm going to pretend I didn't say that. Horrible. Anyway, it's the story of Neil Diamond with Neil Diamond Music. It's supposed to be all right. I don't really care too much about the actual show, but... Uh, it's the first time that Neil Diamond has performed publicly uh, since his Parkinson's diagnosis. So he got up and sang Sweet Caroline at the show during opening night. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's really great. So I don't really care about the show. We'll see what happens. They performed on the Macy's Parade, too. That was a quite, okay. quite the costumes. So a week from today, as of recording this, uh, I think it will be in the past by the time this episode drops. Time's um, weird. On December 15th, we are getting our Beauty and the Beast 30th celebration sure um, are. ABC live concert-esque thing. performance thing. Thing. They need, a, they need a snap your name for it. They just released some photographs today oh boy. from this. Hang on. I'm going to pull them up because I need to see them. They are interesting. Uh-oh. Here's the thing. They they've given us a look at um, Lumiere and Cogsworth. Okay. And these are these are not like the Broadway costumes that you are used to seeing if you've ever seen okay. a stage production of Beauty and the Beast. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. On the one hand, I do applaud that because I like innovation, especially with these costumes. I would love to see more people do different things with them. But I do hate 
this direction in particular. I am not a fan. Martin Short is wearing a sleeping bag. So I'm looking at all the images. It's interesting. It looks like they're doing a whole like drawed background thing, which is interesting. Yeah, which I like. The bell dress is good. Um, the costumes look fancy enough. They kind of look like Hamilton costumes a little bit, actually. A little bit. I and love. Then, I'm pretty sure that's that's either Chip or oh, it's Baby Prince. My God, I you, have found Martin him? Short and David Allen Greer. I don't know what yep. they're wearing. Are those parachute pants? Is those Cosworth are circus tent pants. Wearing, uh, yeah. It look makes it, it makes the bottom of half of his body look like a green diamond, not a clock. Right, exactly. Like, I don't mind the structural element if it was making him look more clock-like, but the bottom of his costume and the top of his costume do not mesh well for me. They look like they're about to present on SNL. Uh Uh-huh. Like, the detail and the amount of time on this is amazing. Like... Yeah. Like, structurally, they're impressive. I just... They don't quite read for me. And I wish I had a better picture of Mrs. Potts. Not the one from the side. Oh, she looks yeah. like Bo Peep. Because I can't really tell what's going on with her. I love Joshua Henry as Gaston. Perfect. 10 out of 10, no notes. That whole, that whole vibe is great. It's great. It's so good. He gets a cape at one point, and that's really nice. That's a good cape. LeFou looks good, too. Mm-hmm. And then Belle's fine. Is that Little Belle? I don't know. I don't know who that's supposed to be. There's a whole, there's a whole. There's an ensemble of bells. Of bells at one point. Okay, interesting. And Look, like, listen yeah. again. I applaud them for going in a new direction with the costuming, and I applaud them for making big choices. In these pictures, those choices are not quite landing for me. But at least it's not the same thing that I've seen every single time I've seen this show done. Do we all remember? that time martin short played jack frost yes take that costume and turn it into a candle and that's what this costume looks like <laughs> the picture of david allen greer from the the waist up is good i it's like that. so good it's just the pants i don't know what's going on with did you see the wolves looks like they, they got some led stuff going on it's interesting that's kind of cool we'll see how this goes i mean but also like we don't know if they're doing the whole show or part of it or how they're doing the whole thing right i think it's gonna be it's gonna be like the little mermaid live that they did um a couple years ago where it's just kind of showing the animated movie but then for the songs they bring out actors that's what i'm anticipating going into it so that i won't come out of it disappointed if they do more than that i'll be thrilled chip has a pink wig I do love that. I am here for the chip wig. It's great. The yeah. The, oh, there's the, a better the, one there's of some Mrs. Better, Potts. And then and then there's the red dress for Belle. Mrs. Potts looks more Mrs. like a Potts. sugar bowl than a teapot. Yeah, I don't. They're trying. There's they're some, trying. They're trying something new, and I do applaud. That. I yes. It's some of it's very good. Some of it's trying, and it's all big swings. And frankly, some of those are bigger swings than I thought we would see from Disney. I thought this would be pretty straightforward. <laughs> Right. So that's great. Uh, I have done I Beauty it's... and the Beast twice now, so I'm very invested. I'm intrigued by the fact that there's no pictures of the Beast in any of that. Uh, no. Oh, they released pictures of him earlier in a different post, but he's not beastie. No, he's, ju- he's... he's just he's just Josh Groban. Yeah. 
I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what it's like. I'm intrigued to see what it's like, and I'm interested to see how much of it is actually like, hey, we're this is a full cast and we're doing this whole show, and how much of it is like the last Little Mermaid thing where it's like, here, we're just doing the songs and we're not really telling the story, but we're kind of fudging our way through it and it's more like a concert. I hope it's more like that. We're assuming it's more like that because if this is actually the cast and this is actually the show, the uh, age difference there between Josh Groban and her is a bit of a problem. And indicative of a larger issue within the industry. Yes. So we'll see. I'm still going to watch it. I'm going to watch the crap out of this. It'll be great or terrible, and I'll watch it either way. I'm excited to watch it. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with it, and I'm intrigued. So, you know, props there. It'll be great to talk about. Hello, this is Ryan and Cassie from the future. The world is very similar, except we've seen the Beauty and the Beast live. Spectacular, 30th anniversary. Yeah. We've we've seen it now. We've seen it. And and normally we try and steer into the fact that we're like three weeks behind the times. But that would put you hearing our thoughts about this like a month after it happened. And you're not going to care by then. Yeah. But hopefully you care now. Hopefully you care now. Hopefully you watch. So uh, this whole thing happened. It was Thursday night. They kind of spliced the animated in with some live performances, kind of like we thought they were going to do, kind of like what they did with Little Mermaid. But better, Um, I thought. Oh, absolutely better. Because with Little Mermaid, it was very much like, here's the entire animated movie, except now we're going to cut away to people singing the songs. And with this one, they really condensed the animated. They kind of trusted that if you were watching this, you already knew the story. Like, you knew the high points. What a thought. What a crazy concept. So they really did condense the animated portions. And they put in a lot of information about, like, how the story came to be. And how it was um, envisioned and created. And they gave you a lot of the history behind the movie, which I thought was a really interesting way to take it. And it did feel very Mm -hmm. much like a love letter to this particular film. It really did. And uh, notably, some of those cameos helped with that, too. Yes. Spot on. Uh, Alan Macon is uh, playing the piano. It it was a delightful uh, moment. And then uh, we had the original Belle and the original Gaston as well, right? I think so. Uh, showed up at one point. That was pretty. That was pretty neat. I did realize while watching this that the original trio of household items have all passed now. They have. And then I got sad because Angela, with Angela Lansbury's passing this year, we've lost her and David Ogden Stiers and Jerry Orbach. Yeah, they've all passed. But, but Cassie, I think that we are both generally pleased and delightfully surprised by this for the most part yes my um critiques are minimal i have i have i have one large i have one big critique and i have one like medium-sized critique okay let's see if they're the same thing (laughs) uh my large critique is lefou in a fat suit okay see i didn't have as 
much of a problem with that, but it was there and obvious. But yeah, you're right. That happened. I I don't like that. First of all, if it is important enough to you that LeFou be fat, then cast a fat actor. There's plenty of people. They're, and they're very talented. On this planet. And they can sing and they can dance and they can do whatever. You can just find somebody that looks the way you want them to look. Because otherwise, putting the actor in a fat suit is just to laugh at them for being fat. And it's 2022 and we should be past that. Like, that shouldn't be a point of comedy anymore. And honestly, I felt like the suit actually restricted the actor a lot. Like, he couldn't move in it. That was um, Rizwan... Rizwan Manji. Who I was expecting a lot more out of his performance because I know he's got good comedic timing. Exactly. It just wasn't allowed. Kind yeah. Of. It was kind of strange. It felt restricted. Just like we yeah. just watched Josh Gad blow the doors off that role yeah. a handful of years ago. Right. And I was kind of expecting a similar thing and they didn't go there. Uh, but Joshua Henry. Oh my God. Joshua Henry. Oh. Um. That was well so done, good. Sir. Oh my well god. Well done, sir. Whoever said mm. let's make a barbell out of uh beer casks, give that mm-hmm. props master a raise mm-hmm. because that was genius. Genius. Oh. My older brother and I ended up watching this at the same time, more or less. He was about a half an hour ahead of me watching it, mm-hmm. which wasn't planned. It was just something I found out because I sat down to watch it and then got a text from him that said Joshua Henry is added to the list of men I would go gay for. What a sense. And and then and then he said, he's the one who's playing Gaston in the Beauty and the Beast. And I'm like, I know who Joshua Henry we is. We know who Joshua Henry is. We know. So you can watch the I think the whole thing's on Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Point. That's where I lost that's where I watched it. And uh the song highlights are on YouTube. Uh mm-hmm. high quality uploaded by ABC. So you can find it, you can watch it all. Um largely largely good. Uh my biggest problem is that uh, Mrs. Potts does not have twang. I I tried. I tried so hard and I just couldn't I couldn't do it. I might get flack for this, but I think Shania Twain was the weakest part of this. I would agree with that. I can think of 18 people I would rather hear sing Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. than Shania Twain, who would have yeah. also been able to act her acting moments at all. Yeah. She but looked like, great. Audra McDonald would have been a fantastic Mrs. Potts. So many people that could have done this. Honestly, Paige O'Hare would have been the perfect Mrs. Potts. That would have been a great I would recasting. Have, like, I I love that Paige O'Hare was the librarian. I thought that was a super sweet little touch. She's the original voice of Belle. But making her Mrs. Potts and letting her sing Beauty and the Beast. That like, would that would have been Let's such do a it. phenomenal go. full circle moment. It would have been wonderful to see that happen. Um, instead... We got, look, I thought Martin Short was going to be the weak link of this, and he delivered with the accent. Yeah, he yeah, he did a great it. job. He literally lit the set on fire. Like, it was so good. I loved it. He had good banter with um, David Allen Greer as well. Yep. They it did not great. stick to lines from the movie. They were allowed to kind of do their own thing in their it, little which moments, worked. which was great. It was, but the, both of them did the expected voices and expected mm-hmm. accents and pulled mm-hmm. it off and did it well. Yeah. And then... Nobody told Shania to work on an accent. No. And it just it just bugs me. I'm very bothered that they cast a boy to play Chip for him to stand on stage and stare blankly into the camera and say two lines. Yeah. 
this is the problem I think with making a huge deal with something like this and then doing four songs. Yeah. You know, like that's the problem is that no matter like Josh Groban sang what five minutes of music, mm-hmm. seven, and they've been hyping this up for months. Like, I wanted them to use the performers more, but yes. I feel like I'm always going to say that unless they're like doing Beauty and the Beast live, mm-hmm. and they're doing the live production of the the full stage musical. I feel like I'm always going to say I want them to use the performers more. Mm-hmm. Because ev- almost everything we got from the performers was phenomenal. Yep. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. Um, I will say my biggest, like, disappointment of the evening was that I had read a review article before I watched it that Uh-oh. told me that Josh Groban sang If I Can't Love Her from the stage musical. And I was like, I cannot wait for this. And then we got to that moment. And I'm like, this is Evermore. From this the movie, which is also a fine song, but it's not If I Can't Love Her. If it is not If I Can't Love Her. And I would have, like, I would have liked to hear Josh Groban do either. That's fine. He could have done both, and I'd have been happy. I would have been thrilled if he'd done both. They handled the age gap and the two of them way better than I thought they were going mm-hmm. to. They put him They put him in the puppet. I, Let's okay. Ha- one of the they put him, that... Hold on one sec. Hold on yeah, one yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. finish the age thing first. Then we're going to talk about this puppet. Mm-hmm. But they handled it well. It was the puppet interacting with Belle. And that was good. He was in it singing, but it was fine. And then even towards the end, it, was, um, it wasn't very romantic. It was just, hey, we got two singers and they're going to sing. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be good and it's going to be great. So then Evermore feels a little more big songy ballady yeah. and a little less romantic of a yes. choice yes which i think kind of helps that it seems like they tried and i think it helped that they bookended the song with animated movie clips and not in-person interactions with her yes yes but as i was listening ryan this morning to yes. the draft of the episode and i was mm-hmm. listening to us speak about our thoughts about the pictures that have been released yes. i said at one point they haven't shown us any pictures of the beast. No, they hadn't. And that's really interesting. And then no, they, they showed us pictures of the beast, and I got very excited. That puppet. I love oh it. Oh, my God. I it's loved so, okay. that puppet. It's, the, it's so good. The design of it is so good. Like, it looks so cool and interesting, and it's interactive, and it moves, and it's independent. I want to know how much of it was actually controlled by Josh Groban and how much of it was, like, robotics. It was that they almost do that entirely now. controlled by him. He gave an That's interview about it. That's what it seemed it. like. That's what it seemed like. But it it had to have been really light somehow. Because, 60 pounds is what he said. Which is really light mm-hmm. for that. Like... It's amazing that they pulled that off. I absolutely loved it. I loved that you could still see him within the puppet. So you could still see him singing. And he was still emoting while he was singing, even when yeah, he was in the puppet, yeah. which was phenomenal. That's great. And then, but the the apparatus was like nine feet tall. And I want more stage productions to go in this direction. Because one of my biggest complaints, which I've talked about on my fairy tale podcast when we did mm-hmm. Disney's Beauty and the Beast, but I don't think I've talked about it here. One of my biggest complaints with stage versions of Beauty and the Beast is that whenever you put them on, you have actors 
playing Belle and the Beast and a candlestick, who are all basically the same size. And even yep. if you can get a height difference between the Beast and Belle, you're not going to get that much of a height difference between the Beast and Gaston. Right. And there's all this language in the script about, like, the Beast was huge and tall and imposing. And I want stage productions to find ways to actually show that visually and not just rely on my imagination and suspension of disbelief, which I have. I also want the the animated objects to go in a different direction. I want to see them as puppets, but like mm-hmm. half human size. So like like think Olaf in the Frozen sure. musical. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, of thing. And it wouldn't be, you know, the size of the actual objects because you need larger than that, obviously, for like the emoting and whatnot. Yeah, it has to read. But then at least there would be a noticeable size difference between them and Belle. Sure. And this kind of puppetry work that they did for the Beast is a great step towards that because he was huge. Like, it was massive. And obviously this idea would need to be refined if they were going to do a full production because, like, there's no way Josh Groban is waltzing wearing that thing. Like, it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, it's a problem. You're not going to do stage combat in that. But I like this direction and I want it to continue. I wonder how much of this came out of um, some other recent puppet things we've seen on Broadway, such as uh, King Kong Mm -hmm. Um, and anything. I mean, even going back to, you know, Lion King and Spider-Man, right? They had some, but also War Horse and some of the recent productions, uh, like large budget productions we've seen of Narnia, right? Like we've seen all these giant puppets on stage more recently with the technology that we now have. And it's it's very exciting to see where we get to go from here. But as great as that puppet was and when it came on the screen, I went, oh, cool. That wasn't my favorite moment. What was your favorite moment, Ryan? My favorite moment was not that. My favorite moment was not the hands popping up out of the table to do the uh, be our guest, which I found delightful. Uh, it was not Gaston breaking the bar barrel beer cask thing down to the ground, which was great. My favorite moment was when Belle did a quick change and Jimi Hendrix walked down the steps and she pulled off that guitar solo and it was incredible. Did you notice the design on the guitar? Yes. So the guitar was clear, probably mm-hmm. resin, and it yeah. had the the window, the stained glass window rose on it. And that I didn't notice oh, that the first time because I was so like, oh, cool guitar solo. Such a good And my touch. brother pointed that one out to me. Whoever said, hey, we should really put these glasses on her face for this. Genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. <laughs> and they matched the tint of the glasses to her dress because, of course, they did because that's how Disney costuming works. Yeah. But it was such a good moment. Like it was it was such a good moment because it took that song and it let it let Belle have personality driven by the actress, which is hard to do as a Disney princess. It's true. And I did not think Disney would let her do that. And I'm very, very glad they did. So those are our thoughts on those the Disney Beauty and the Beast Live thirtieth spectacular. And now we send you back to Cassie and Ryan from the past. We like them, but we're better now. We we're on the other now. side. Yeah.
I know that you have some exciting news that you want to share. I do. I get to I get to actually go to Broadway, which is exciting. That is exciting. I am jealous. But live your best life. I have tried to go to New York between Christmas and New Year. Um, and uh, it's a whole thing. And it's really nice. And it's a whole magical thing with the snow and the trees and the lights and the people and the everywhere. And it's really nice to not be in a flyover Midwestern state and remember what the rest of the world might kind of sort of be like. But I do get to see six shows in three days. That's an ambitious schedule. It is a very... What are you seeing? It is very ambitious. But... So because I'm going alone, I can do it. That's the Mm -hmm. only way you can do it. It's because it's just me. So I have a whole list. I will see Kimberly Akimbo. Okay. So I'm very excited to see that and come back and report out on that whole experience. Yeah, me too. I have to know what it's like. I'm going to go see A Strange Loop. Yes. Because I have to. Rep BGSU. uh, Tony Winters there. Um, I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm also seeing that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because I didn't want the heavy show in the evening. Valid. So it'll be great. I'll go see it, and I'll cry, and then I'll go eat dinner, (laughs) and then go see the other show. Um, I am, of course, seeing uh, Leah Michelle do her thing. You have to. Because I have to. Like, look, they knew what they were doing. The business of Broadway, when they put that all together, those tickets are scarce. Like, I did not just have, like, open to pick from. I had to kind of schedule it the right way uh it's also the most expensive ticket that i purchased i believe that i'm also seeing uh jefferson mays perform the one man christmas carol okay that sounds intriguing Uh, right i have no idea what to expect it might be terrible but i have to know i agree jefferson mays plays more than 50 roles including a potato marvelous so that's gonna be great i am very excited to see this it's at the nederlander okay like i don't understand how you do this but i have to know i just i have to know what this is like i am seeing Anne juliet okay i'm excited for you to report back on that i'm very excited to report back on that uh and then uh i do get to be in uh i'll see the show on december 28th so i think it's if that's not the last week, it's close to the last week of Beetlejuice performances. Yeah, because they're real close to They're real too. close. I think they close like January 2nd or 3rd. So I will just sneak in under the wire and get to see them do their crazy thing. So a whole list of shows. I'm excited for all of them for different reasons. Some will be sad. Some will be memorable. Some will probably be bad. We'll see. Uh-huh. Might be some Tony winners in there. Might be some real duds. It's true. I don't have plans to go to Broadway anytime soon, which is sad. But, but I am making plans actively. Actively. What could you... Hold on. There's there's Broadway, <laughs> and then there's just whatever happens in our little neck of the woods. Like, why would, why would you leave home? Why would you stray off into the woods? Because it's just dangerous out there. No, the path is straight. I know it well. But we know things now, Cassie. And one of the things that I know is that Into the Woods is taking its Broadway show and touring it to Chicago, and I am going to see it because Chicago is close. We are really, really bad at podcasting. We are. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it's great. It's, I can't do bits. I can't do bits off the fly. It's, it's okay? fine. It's you got to prep me for them. Yes, you need some rehearsal. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I am so excited 
Into, Into the, the woods. woods, of course, announced its tour, limited tour with the Broadway cast. Like that's the most exciting piece of this. Um, and so I, they're coming to Chicago. Chicago is not very far away from where we are. Just There's a, couple a train hours. Yeah. that goes from Toledo to Chicago. I have friends in Chicago that I can stay with. Do it. Do the thing. I would love to go as well. I almost bought tickets to see it on Broadway, and then they announced the tour. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. I'll go see it on tour somewhere. It's Gavin Creel. It's Stephanie J. Block. It's Sebastian Arcelis. I don't understand why any of them are going on tour for this. Like, I mean, good for them if they love it and they're doing it. They do get to perform at the Kennedy Center, right? So that's cool. And they Mm -hmm. get to go on tour. You get to tour Sondheim, which doesn't happen. So that's cool. But like... Like, are y'all sure you want to go do this? Like, I'm not mad about it. I just, like, quick vibe check. Are we all good? Like, It's it's interesting that they have not yet announced Cinderella or Rapunzel's Prince. Yes. Those are kind of the two gaps in the touring cast that have not yet been released. So I'm interested to see who, if they're going to get Joshua Henry or if they're going to get somebody different. And who of the slew of, of Cinderella's we've had. Right. Yeah. Or if they're going to find somebody new. It might be somebody new. Uh, we know it's not Philippa Sue. Mm-hmm. She's busy. They have done such a good job of casting, you know, ringers for this show consistently and constantly. I don't know. Whoever they announce, I'm going to be excited for, I'm sure. I don't know if I'm going to make it out to Chicago, but I'm going to have to make it somewhere to see this because yeah. it's into the woods i love this show yeah and and i'm in the situation of um my friend drew is the one who told me about this by sending me a message that just said hey do you want to go see a show together he lives in st louis and i live in in you know bowling green and it's been a year almost since we were in the same place at the same time we don't get to be in the same place at the same time very often and he sent me a link with you want to go see a show together and I was like, yes. And then I immediately told all my friends. And so now all my friends also want to go. Well, yeah. And so this is this is snowballing into like a big event. And I, I keep having to tell people, okay, but I'm going to see the show with my friend Drew. Y'all are also welcome to come along on this. But like that's the direction I'm prioritizing when it comes to scheduling. Also, this was announced yesterday. Yes, this was announced yesterday. Yes. This was literally announced yesterday. And we have big plans. Everyone has big plans. It all has to happen. It'll be great. It's it's the perfect storm because this is going to be in Chicago at the end of April. And my I'll be between shows. Like, they actually managed to find a gap in oh, my cool. life. Yeah. That doesn't happen often. It doesn't. So, like, because Adam's family closes at the end of March. Mm-hmm. And the way that the schedule shakes out, I'm not auditioning. I won't start rehearsing my summer show until May. Nice. And so, technically, I will have already auditioned my summer show when i jet off to chicago to see into the woods um but that's okay they can deal like it'll be really early in the rehearsal process it'll if we've be had fine. Any rehearsals at all it'll be fine and so like the fact that it's coming that close at a time that actually works i'd be crazy not to do it so it's yes, gonna happen be crazy not to get, do it and the tickets will be i mean they're not gonna be cheap but they're only gonna be so much right so it's doable it's wildly doable. But... And I mean, like, technically, Chicago can be a day trip. Yeah. it's sure It wouldn't can. be a fun day. No, it would not be a great day, especially with time change and <laughs> stuff. But 
is doable. But it could be a do- like we could do it without having to stay overnight in Chicago. Yes, as long as you have a team of drivers, right? Or take the train. Or take the train. Yes, one or the other. But let's talk about this idea of the Broadway tour for a minute. So what happens on Broadway is sometimes the shows close very quickly, like K-pop, and they don't recoup their money at all. Sometimes shows recoup their money, and then producers are very happy. And then they keep the show going as long as it's uh, making them money. At some point, the shows stop making money, or they decide that they want the theater space for a different show that they think will make more money. And there's only so many uh, theaters on Broadway. They're not building more. You can't. There's no space left. So we have the Broadway tour. Most of the time, the tours take the Broadway show and they restage it so that the sets are uh, more transportable or the lighting is a little bit simpler or everything is slightly smaller because it has to fit in all the venues they go to. It's not usually the Broadway cast going on tour at that point. No. Um, So this is very strange. This is... I'm not going to say unprecedented because I don't know definitively enough if it is or not, but it is rare Mm -hmm. because like these are big names. They have better things to do with their time, I'm sure. Yeah. Like if you want to go on the road for Into the Woods, that's great. You want to take the Broadway version all around America? That's great. Um, But even then, it, it is not unheard of for the second or third or fourth replacement in the Broadway show to go on tour. Right. Which is technically kind of what's happening here, especially with Stephanie Block and uh, Sebastian Arcellus. Like, they weren't the originals for this revival. So if this was Sarah Bareilles and uh, Brian... Brian? Brian Darcy James. Brian Darcy James, thank you. Um, Welcome. I would just want to call him Shrek. Uh, If this was Shrek and Sarah going on tour, that would be unheard of. Absolutely. The originals never go out on tour. It just doesn't happen. So part of it is, yes, all these people from Broadway are going back and doing it, but this is the star power that they got as replacements. And it's just it's well, just crazy. I mean, not everybody. There are some originals who are going on tour because Gavin Creel's going. Sure is. And uh, Cole, who plays Jack, who's been around from the beginning. Yeah. Milky White, the iconic Milky White. Iconic. Second, um, second so, best puppeteer on TikTok. Who's the first? The guy who played Winnie the Pooh. Okay, yes, valid, valid. 100%. So, yeah, I'm excited for this. And I think it just kind of speaks to the power of this show in particular. That, like, mm-hmm. a big Broadway name who could move on to doing anything is choosing to... And it's not, like, an indefinite tour. It's a, It's a finite limited run kind of deal but the fact that these people are choosing to to do that i think speaks a lot to the love of this show in particular when shows leave broadway they go on tour usually or they get their film adaptations and then the broadway run stops and maybe we'll see more tours or whatever but at the end of the day they're all trying to make money we do have some new casting for one of those film adaptations. Did you see this news? I did see this news. I got a very excited um, text message from our friend Kelly, like all caps. That seems right. Today. Sometimes I feel like I run in slightly different Broadway knowledge circles than some of the people around me because the name Ethan Slater meant nothing to me. Well, that's because it's not Ethan Slater. 
They've made a, a, a just a wild casting decision here. John Chu has made a wild, wild decision here. Did I give the name wrong? No, you got uh, the name right, but it's not. Uh, John Chu has actually chosen to cast SpongeBob SquarePants in Wicked. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, so uh, SpongeBob is Bach. Like, they're rewriting the role. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, he'll do the nose singing and the laugh. Um, uh, look, look, uh, they said they were writing new music for this, so... But the yes, look have, of pain on Cassie's face yeah, right now. Just, mm, it's fine. I'm just pushing through. Uh, yeah, we have we have casting for the Wicked movie. New announced casting. Because they, they know the whole cast. They could tell us the whole cast. Sure could. They've cast the whole thing. I feel the same way about the Percy Jackson TV series. Everyone has been cast. Tell me who Poseidon is. It's amazing that anything's a secret. It is amazing that anything's a secret. Everyone has phones in their pockets. Everyone has cameras. But yeah, we get Ethan Slater to play Bach. Um, joining the rest. Uh, we No, it's Ariana Grande, Cynthia Revo, and Jonathan Bailey. And now we have Ethan Slater uh, joining it. Uh, uh, John Chu, the director, confirmed on Twitter that today, December 7th, is the first day of filming. So, yes, you have the whole cast. Yes, he also said that the rest of the cast will be announced very soon-ish. Very, thank you. Very helpful. Not drunk on power over there at all. Right. Uh, the film will be released in two parts. The first part is released 2024 holiday season, so we've got to wait two years for Wicked Part 1. I just, like, I'm excited for Cynthia Erivo. I am so over the moon excited for Jonathan Bailey. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. I believe we I am have. so excited for Jonathan Bailey. That's it. That's all I got. End thought there. <laughs> End thought. End thought. Uh, we all saw Ariana do hairspray. That happened. Here's, okay, I think I've defended Ariana before, and I will defend her again, because her roots are Broadway. Her roots are Broadway. Ariana. That's where she got her start. So if they let her be Broadway Ariana... I think it'll be good. If they try to force her into pop star Ariana, it could be a train wreck. Yeah, I I like her when she doesn't have to be a pop star. Yes. Um, unfortunately, she's an international pop star. Yes. So we'll see. I have faith in John Shu though. Don't I have to remind myself that he's helming this every time, and I, it brings me back down to earth of okay, this might actually be good. Maybe. And you've got Jeff Goldblum as the wizard, so I'm also excited for that. Also excited for Jeff Goldblum as the wizard. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, one other bit of casting news that's not really casting news, but it is interesting. Um, Aaron Tavit's going back to Moulin Rouge. Yeah, he and he and uh, Derek Klenna are kind of tag-teaming. Yeah, it sounds like Derek has to go do something, and Aaron Tavit's coming in for 12 <laughs> weeks. Um, I am... Uh, mostly just upset that that 12 weeks doesn't start until January because I did see Moulin Rouge on Broadway and it was the original cast as much as was still there and it was amazing and Aaron had COVID that night no so I did not get to hear him do that and look it was an incredible show I loved it very very much it's one of the greatest things I've seen but I did not get to see Aaron specifically if he was in it when I was making my trip here i was gonna buy another moulin rouge ticket just to see him it's valid because he's real real good yes he is real real good and he's not playing a teenager which we've talked about before <laughs> yes <laughs> i think we've come 
to about the end of our new segment here. Unless Paris? Hey Paris, do you have anything for us? Maybe we can send Paris as like a like a correspondent. I think we can get Paris to get, make it all the way out to London to like take on-set photos of Wicked. I think we could do that. That'd be great. I would love it if we could employ Paris positively in that way. All right. Paris, if you're listening, you got work to do. I don't know how you're getting to England. Can you go swim? They don't need to. They don't need to. They can fly. They can fly. Can they fly that far? Only if we believe in them, Ryan. I do believe in ghosts. I do. I do. And I believe in Paris specifically. And I believe in Steve. Steve the Courier. I'll hail <laughs> Steve the Courier. This is a weird episode, and I'm here for it. This is a weird episode. There's not a lot that's, like, unifying about it. But we're here to tell you the news about Broadway, and we've done that. They can't all be winners, Ryan. They can't all be winners, but, you know, the show must go on. Thanks for listening. We're part of the Ghostlight Media Network. You can find that over at ghostlightmedia.net, as well as all the other fine, fine shows on the network. Shows like... Zack and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop, which just celebrated 100 episodes. Uh, I don't know how they've made it that far, but they have, so uh, good job, guys. So thanks for coming along with us on this episode. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the Ghost Light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.